You're listening to Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. And Barnaby is loving this. <laughs> no filter? You have no filter. <laughs> That's... Yeah. That's true. That's you a good say thing. whatever comes into your mind. Yeah. You don't really modulate your yeah. feelings at all. Yeah. You? It's a good thing for me, but it's a bad thing for water. In the dog days of August, and we're at a point right now of saying to ourselves, Mitch Marner is the Pied Piper, and he's got three offers reportedly on the table, and I do believe he will be at training camp, which means he will late could be September the 10th, sign one of the three offers that are presented to him, or he will sit. Now, here's Matthew Barnaby. Here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Depends on what time you are listening to this. Depends what part of the world you are in. I'm Matthew Barnaby. I'm your co-host. This is Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. Hope everyone's having a great summer. Uh, it's been a while since I've dropped a pod. I was getting in shit on Twitter asking when I'm going to drop the pod. Well, the answer is today. Today it comes. Uh, it's been a crazy summer. I've been all over the place, but uh, I was visiting my daughter uh, in Buffalo for her graduation. Stayed a few extra days and took a little time off. So I am back, and we are going to be dropping lots of unbelievable guests, uh, some funny guys that I have played against uh, in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. Today, uh, I want to talk a little bit with my good buddy, uh, John Campbell, at Johnny Oddshark, um, oddshark.com. Uh, for anyone that bets out there, it's the best place to go and and uh, really uh, dive into where your money should be. Um, I, I lean on them a lot. I, obviously, if you're listening to episode 21 now, uh, you know how much I like to bet. I was mush last week, by the way. I had the Jays. I was at the Jays game, and I was so confident against the Devil Rays, or I guess against the Rays. I don't think it's the Devil Rays anymore. It's the Rays. They were up 9-1, to 9-1 to one halfway through the game. They end up fucking losing. Are you kidding me? I'm a mush. I never bet baseball. I don't bet baseball really till the playoffs, so I actually put a bet in, and up 9-1, I was already spending that money, and uh, they come back and lose. So I'm going to have Johnny Campbell on just to talk about futures, uh, Stanley Cup odds, teams that did the best in the offseason. I also want to get his take for those that bet just whether a team's going to make the playoffs or not and where odds move depending on free agent signings, who got better and, and where they are and where your money should be. So Johnny Campbell uh, from Odd Shark will be on in a little bit. I'm also going to have... In a few minutes, uh, my good buddy, my co-host at NHL Sirius XM on Channel 91, uh, Steve Coolius, a great guy, funny guy, one of the most knowledgeable guys that, that didn't play in the game but watches more hockey than anyone I know and is so passionate about it. We're going to talk about the RFA market still, you know, the, the Braden Points, the, the Mika Rantanens. Uh, the Mitch Marners. How, how much are they going to get? When are they going to sign? That's the big question right now because we saw with Alex Nylander, or William Nylander last year, sorry. Uh, Alex signed, just didn't play very well in Buffalo, then shipped off to Chicago. But William Nylander, we, we saw how it affected him last year. Is it going to affect these guys if they are not in camp? Going to talk a little Antonio Brown. He's not the biggest football guy. I am. Antonio Brown, uh, for you those that haven't heard, 
is refusing to go back to camp. He's got had some foot problems, um, but it's because he can't wear his 10-year-old helmet that isn't sanctioned by the NFL. So we're going to dive into that and what an idiot he is. We're going to play yay or nay. Yay or nay with Steve Coolius today on whether these teams, Florida, Colorado, Arizona, Carolina, New York Islanders, are they playoff teams? What do you think? Are they playoff teams? And what team has done the best in the offseason? I think the Florida Panthers. Uh, I'm just going on the record. For me, it's the Florida Panthers, but we'll dive into that with Steve because I know he is studying every single day in between his little ab sets that he does because he likes to tell me how good looking he is, how his abs are just rock hard. He does have a great smile. He's taking selfies all fucking day long. So we will dive into that with him. And then we're going to do who are the best five centermen in the game today. I'll give you my list when he comes on. We'll get his list. And who scores more this year? Jack Hughes or Kaku Kapo? Who who, who gets more? Who gets more points? It's going to be tight. Both are going to get a ton of playing time. But who gets more points? My guest today is John Campbell, uh, at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. And you can follow... At Odd Shark uh, on Twitter as well. He's a sports betting analyst, also co-host of Guys and Bets Pod. Johnny, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing great, Barnsley. Good to be here. How are you doing? I'm good. How, how was the golf vacation? I was a little jealous seeing all your pictures. Oh, yes, I know. Yeah, it was amazing. We had, we had a great time on Prince Edward Island. That's uh, where my wife and, and a lot of my extended family are from. And played some fantastic golf and uh, a lot of great beach time it is if you've never been there in the summer it's, it's well worth it pretty awesome when are you headed off to vegas because i was with you last year when we went to vegas when, when do you head to vegas for uh for what you're going to be doing down there yeah heading, heading down next weekend uh we do some uh contest stuff some some uh some events with uh media partners and uh, heading down there so always a little excited uh not a little a lot excited when when going to be heading to vegas so uh Going to sign up for uh, some contests this year and uh, try to win some money. Not going to lie, last year was one of uh, top three vacations I've ever been on. I don't think I ever can I can ever do Vegas uh, and enjoy it like I did last year uh, with the cabanas <laughs> and the booze and it was almost like someone jumped out of the cake when we had the party the one night in the suite. Not a, not not only a suite; it was a two story suite with butlers and it was. It really epitomized what, what Vegas was. But when, when Dennis Rodman uh, showed up, I was like, now, you guys didn't pay him by the word, did you? <laughs> I think we did by the end. When you add it up, I think we did. Yeah, it's, uh, I had a short short conversation with him, but he was great. Yeah, I mean, what, what a legendary trip that was last year. We just had an absolute blast. Probably a little more low-key uh, this year. It's tough to top Dennis Rodman, but uh, it's still going to be great. Uh, obviously, it's, it's, it's a great, great event. And for all those, uh, just go on, on Odd Shark. You'll find all, all about it. It's, uh, it's a fun thing where you pick against the spread. Uh, five games a week, and then the winner wins what? The, the five games get uh, it should be over a million dollars in the super contest this year. By the time it's all said and done, I think the top hundred pay this year uh, as well in uh, in the super contest. There's three others we're going to be involved with some college stuff, so a mix of NFL and college. So lots of stuff you can do down there. Awesome. I want to get to hockey right now and uh, odds that are out. And first, before we even get to the odds, I want to ask how 
it goes in right now. Just we, we know that the RFAs and the people that are listening right now are, are all wondering about the Mitch Marners and the Mika Rantanens, the Braden Points. Those are all factored in already that they will be signed, sealed, and delivered when odds come out, right? Yeah, it, it, exactly. And it, we'll probably see some slight line moves, but those are, those are the late betters coming in and getting in on this. And that's usually with injuries. Hockey's a little bit different than other sports, but usually like injuries and trades, they're already factored into the odds. Uh, so um, there are those hockey happens a little bit more where you get these late odd moves, odds moves because of late injuries or, or things like that or unexpected trades. But for the most part, this stuff's already factored in. If you are part of like the rec- recreational gambling public, you, you've got to understand that and probably explains it a little better why these don't move quite as much after these moves. Johnny, I was saying last week, I was talking about New Jersey, the moves that they made. Obviously, you add a guy like P.K. Subban, you draft a guy like Hughes, you add Simmons uh, to the mix. They've done a plethora of moves this summer to, to make them so much better. You have a, now a healthy Taylor Hall, a former Hart Trophy winner coming back into the mix. Uh, they look like the, the biggest movers. Is there another team besides them that you've seen in the offseason, whether it be Florida? I know New York Rangers fans are excited with the addition of Panarin and Truba. Is there a team that you look out there and say, okay, they've moved up a lot because of all the moves that they've done this summer? Yeah, you mentioned it. The, the Devils are the biggest move. They went from 50 to 1 all the way down to 25 to 1, and that's the single biggest move this offseason. Florida has really the second biggest move. They went from, well, other than the Canadians, I guess, but second biggest because of all the, the trades and moves. Uh, they went from 25 to 1 down to 16 to 1. The Canadians went from 50 to 1 to 35 to 1. I just think that has more to do with kind of the Canadian action that comes in. Oddsmakers know they're going to move these odds down. They throw it out there hoping they'll get even more action than, than they normally would. So those are the big ones. The other one, uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise, is Nashville moving from 22 to 1 to 16 to 1. Nashville, if we look at Matt Duchesne, I think the Matt Duchesne factor could be big. Uh, they have Pekka Rene. They have the defense that everyone tries to emulate. You add Matt Duchesne, their, their power play was horrible. I think that might be the reason uh, why it moved with a better power play. Maybe they do contend? Yeah, I think so. Duchesne's a big name. So, so, But I just, me personally, I just don't think they should have moved that much. I think Pekka Rene is getting older. I think they're, he's 36 now. Uh, and we saw some cracks, I think, in the way he's played over the last year. No P.K. Subban. Uh, and this team plays really hard and tough across four lines. I just, I wonder if that's catching up after a few tough seasons with them. And their power play, it's not bad. It's an absolute disgrace. So, I don't know if, you know, sometimes you can get a sniper who comes in and all of a sudden you get some momentum that way, but their power play is so bad. And you just, over the course of a grueling NHL season, that has to improve or you're just, there's just too much pressure on the team. Is Toronto overvalued at plus, plus, plus a thousand? Only because it is Toronto money and we know that, you know, the, the, the big six or the big markets uh, tend to, tend to generate just money because they are them uh at plus a thousand i think with all the moves that they made in the offseason they didn't get better yeah i agree well the answer to that question every single year are the leafs overvalued is yes and you know coming into this and they're they're 10 to 1 you're right and um 
they are always overvalued because they are always going to attract action. People are always going to blindly come in and take the lease. But in this case, I think they're especially overvalued, more overvalued, I think, than I've ever seen them. They have two lines. And then after that, the Leafs, to me, they just look like they hang on for dear life until they can get back to those two lines. And uh, they're not a 10-to-1 team to me. Well, when you do your bets at the start of the year, preseason, um, going into the year, do, do you do you go for the Tampa Bay's at plus seven hundred? They're the best team, but we saw there's so much parity in the National Hockey League. They lose in four to Columbus last year. Where does your money go when you look at what's out there right now? Well, I typically pick a couple of teams that I think are going to win. So as long as the odds aren't too bad, and then and then I will take a couple of teams where I think the odds are going to move significantly, and then I have uh, the option to come in and do some hedge work later. So that's uh, that's kind of where I am. Tampa Bay plus seven fifty. That's much better than what we saw during the season last year. They were two to one, and and even worse than that. So so. Uh, you know, I, I think there are a couple teams though that I think you absolutely have to take, or, or I'm I've taken, and I think you have to. Dallas is one of those at eighteen to one. They're right in there, uh, in that range. That I just think I love these moves. I, I love Kowalski. I think he's just a, such an impact player. Uh, one of those guys, one of those centers that can that can do lots of different things. And uh, and I, I just think this is a great team, great goaltending. So. At close to 20 to 1, they're a team that I think you have to take. I like those teams in that sort of range, but NHL's really tough in terms of futures. We've got, we've got 15 teams this year at 25 to 1 or lower, and there's only one team in the league at some books that's higher than 101, and that's uh, your poor hometown senators there. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, I don't. Even, I, I love the sends. The GM lives three doors down, and I don't think I'm even putting a dollar on on the sends. So I, I watched them practice last week. It didn't look great. So. I, I, we've seen crazier things happen in the NHL this year with uh, with the Knights a couple of years ago. So yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. Right. you're right. But uh, at least they they got good name players that were given to them. <laughs> the Sens don't, Sens don't have many. I, I really, truly feel like I could play for the Sens if I was called upon right now. Um, that's, that, that's one more coffee you won't be able to afford this year, bud. <laughs> exactly. Uh, In-game in betting during the year, uh, what's the best way to approach it for the listeners out there? Because I know a lot of people love to bet. I love to. Um, is it money line? Is it Because laying a goal and a half, if you're taking the favorite uh is a tough way to to make money during the year isn't it it's very tough way and typically my rule is uh, same with baseball i don't take favorites on the run line uh, very often not to say i will never ever do it but it, but rarely i will um it, 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 playoffs is a different scenario because when you pull the goalie you you just have a different scenario with three minutes left in the playoffs and you see teams score three empty netters sometimes but um Typically speaking, I don't like to play the favorites on the puck line. There, there is a lot of value because anything can happen. Statistically, in the NHL, it is the toughest of the four major pro sports to to pick and win at uh, in betting. At the same time, where it's the most unpredictable, you can find some some fantastic value. So, typically, what I do with the NHL, it's really hard to to uh, pinprick games on a nightly basis. So, I will look at trends and and how teams are playing, the, the trends of how they're playing if they're on an upswing or downswing, and I will take them or bet against them 
uh, over a period of games, whether that's 10 games or 15 games or until that sort of uh, trend ends. Last year, the Blackhawks were, were uh, one of the best examples we've ever seen in, in all of sports where I think they went over in 28 of 30 games and you could basically just line up at the window and give me the over. I don't care about the juice and you just watch your bankroll grow. So that was a great one. Obviously, lots of firepower and terrible defense. So I like to play teams in blocks of games uh, throughout the regular season. I'm going to give you five teams, and I'm going to let you go. I know you have to get to your son's last soccer game, by the way. I, I, I paid my daughter. My daughter was such a bad soccer player. At the age of nine, I told her we can either spend the $400 and play soccer, or I can give her the $400 and go shopping. And she chose to go shopping, and it was the best $400 I ever spent because she almost touched the ball, almost, uh, in, in the two years that she played. Now she's actually, it's money well spent because she's off to college and taking fashion design. So I, I was I was, oh, no I, way. I was ahead of my time. Horrible soccer player, great at fashion. So Ah, uh, that's amazing. <laughs> what a time saver, too. Exactly. Good oh, for you. Yeah, and my son was a horrible soccer player, too. Thank God he was good at baseball and hockey and, and golf. But, <laughs> yeah, thank, thank God I lucked out on that side. I'm going to give you a five before I let you leave. I just want you to tell me if they are playoff teams or non-playoff teams uh, for our betters out there. You ready? Yes. Okay. Carolina Hurricanes. No, I'm going to say no. A lot of momentum here for this team. They're 33 to one. I think they should be a little higher. I think they absolutely squeezed every last drop out of their talent last year, and they captured uh, something in lightning in a bottle a little bit with the fan atmosphere going there. So I'm going to say no this year. I agree with you. I agree with you. That, that's that's my one my one takeaway because there's a lot of teams in the East that, that got a lot better, and I'm going to go there right now. The Florida Panthers. Yes, definitely. I, I love what the Panthers have, have, have done in the offseason here. They're 16 to 1. I don't think those are terrible odds right now. They've got Glenville. They've got great coaching. They have great goaltending. They've got a great blue line now. Um, and Florida's a no pressure place to play. Like, I've been in that rink many times, and, you, and uh, you know, you can kick your legs up for, you know, any seat around you and, and watch. And, and uh, the guys can walk through town, and nobody recognizes them. In, and uh, there's that factor, too. I think these guys are going to get very good, and I think. The Abyssin is going to pick up there sort of like it did in Carolina. So I love this team this year. They're definitely a playoff team. I think even uh, worth a go on futures. Philadelphia Flyers. Yes, I, I think so. Uh, scrappy team. They're 30 to 1. Um, they're just, there's, they, they need to tighten up, you know, defensively and get more consistent. They're another team that just gives up way too many sloppy goals, and they need consistency throughout the season, game to game. But yes, I think they're going to scrape their way in. The New York Islanders. Yeah, New York Islanders are my dark horse. Uh, they're thirty to one. I love this team here. They were the top money team in the NHL with over fifteen hundred dollars profit last year, and they play such a solid defensive system that that the whole team buys into. It's not pretty to watch, which is why I think a lot of, of, of people think they're not as good as they are. It looks like they're getting pelted all game, and then but but they're all bought into it and they're patient. And I, I love this team. They're they're probably my favorite Stanley Cup features. That at thirty to one. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, last one before I let you go. When you're off to soccer, uh, Arizona Arizona Coyotes. Uh, they they were amazing last year and just trying to stay in the hunt with all the injuries that they had. Rick Tuck did an amazing job. But are Arizona a playoff team this year? Oh, shit, Barnsley. I thought you were going to let me off easy, but then you throw the Coyotes at me right before <laughs> I'm going to go here. 
that's a super tough one. I like this team. I think it could they could be one of those sleeper teams, but they won't be shocked if they're absolute dog shit as well. But um, their projected points last year they're at 86. This year the projected over under points are uh, 90.5. I'll say yes, but don't love it. That 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 that's going to be a tight one. I I think they yeah. squeezed everything out last year, even though they were yeah. with injuries, but. Uh, it's going to be tough. They got amazing goaltending last year. They got unreal they goaltender did. for anyone that was in there. Johnny, thank you. I'll talk to you in a few weeks. At John Campbell, you can follow Johnny at Johnny Oddshark. You can follow Oddshark at Oddshark. And uh, he's my sports betting analyst. He's the guy that I text more than my girlfriend, uh, my mistress, <laughs> uh, on any given night to get what I should be doing. Co-host of Guys and Bets. Johnny, thank you very much. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon, buddy. You too, Brian. Thanks a lot. So without further ado, let's bring in my buddy, my great buddy, the man with the rock-hard abs, the man with the million-dollar smile, the best on radio, on TV, Steve Coolius. Joins us, Steve Coolius, at Steve Coolius on Twitter, co-host of NHL Sirius XM, Channel 91, with yours truly, uh, 3 to 6 p.m., weekdays, but not right now. He's he's either at the cottage, he's either taking selfies, uh, or at the gym. Which one is it today, Cooley? Um, maybe none of the above. Maybe I'll just sit in the backyard today and enjoy pina coladas and Caesars. Uh, even in vacation, I need some time to decompress, Matthew. How how how, how many sit-ups do you do a day? Honestly, don't don't lie. But but I know you do a lot. How, how many do you do a day? Well, I'm way down when I was in my peak when we first started working in television, but uh, maybe a bit of bad influence on me, but I like to do at least 75 if I'm feeling good, get to 100. But there was a time when you and I were going up to Marty Turkoland in the Sioux, I would do 200 like it was nothing. But I have to admit those days are gone. But as my mother said to me, Stephen, 75 is better than none. So 75 is the magic number. 75 is the magic number. I, I wanted to ask you before we get into talking everything NHL, it is the dog days of summer and not much is going on in the NHL right now. We're kind of in a holding pattern. We'll get to the RFAs. We'll get to some teams and what they did in the offseason. But uh, how, how did you get into broadcasting? You, you're, I've told you this before. I, I've worked with you on several platforms, whether it be at TSN, whether it be at The Score, when I first started. Now we're, we're together on SiriusXM. But how, how did you get into it? Was it always a passion of yours? Well, it's an interesting topic, as you're right. Sometimes we are together so often that you don't go down a certain road because we're so busy doing other things. But the honest, honest truth was my memory begins when I was four, and we had a party at our house, and it was game one of the Summit Series, and the place was packed, and there was uh, Rothman cigarette uh whatever you want to call it, smoke all through the air and scotch and liquor. And there was a hockey game on, and it was Canada and the Soviet Union in game one. And this was the game that the kids were playing on the street. And I was more just, you know, watching from the outside because they were older. And I said to myself, wow, I love this game. And I said to my mom, tomorrow I'm going to go play with the kids. I'm playing this game. And I did. And I fell in love with it, even though I was the youngest kid on the street. And it became my life, and I decided I have two options in life. 
Number one, I'm going to try to be the captain of an NHL team. But if I don't, I had a plan B, Matthew. That was to get into hockey broadcasting. And uh, I guess plan A never was going to work out. I was never going to be good enough, although I tried. And then plan B did. And as Ray Scapanello told us, I haven't had to work a day in my life because this day I graduated from Ryerson, where I did play hockey, so at least I got to college hockey. Uh, I've been in broadcasting ever since, so I consider myself very lucky. You, you're you're right with that. We have so much fun. We laugh. We text all the time, just talking about games every single night. And we, it, it is it isn't work when you love what we do, and we get paid to essentially talk about something we would talk about anyways, except for we would just be loaded in a bar instead of being on air. <laughs> Sometimes I think maybe we should do a show loaded in a bar because what people tell me, and I'm sure as you travel everywhere, and uh, hey, there's a, a Mustang just pulled up. It's got a yellow body, and it's got a black stripe, and the number's 36. I can take a picture of that and send it to you. But anyway, so you're right. I just say to me that um, and people talk and stop all the time and talk about different things. They want to hang out. They want to be around. They want to be like it is in a bar. And I think you're either, and I'd say either for, you know, either one of us, you're either in the life of the party mode or you're not. And if you're not, you're almost a, you know, a bystander in broadcasting. You want people to want to say, I'm going to go listen to those guys at the bar. I want to bump into them at the wedding or everything else. And if we do that, Matthew, I think we've succeeded. Because first and foremost, we can talk about all the numbers and arguments and everything. We're in the entertainment business, and I think that's the one thing we've understood. And you have the day you retired. If you don't entertain, it will be a drain on the brain. And I think that's what's worked out for both of us. It's funny you go there, because that's exactly where I was going to go with it. Because I was talking to people in in the past weeks, and they're like, Hey, I listen to you and Cooley all the time. You make my drive home from work, or you listen, and oh, you guys are great on, on the radio. And But it's, it's your energy. The the energy, we're, we're different in the way that we are, but you're so energetic. Do you do you have to force yourself to be energetic? Because I, I, I know you don't, but for the people that are listening out there that listen to you on a daily basis, how do you generate so much energy? Is just your passion for the game? Yeah, it's true. There's nothing fake. Um, I know that people in the past when we were on television who thought, uh, is it forced or that guy's too loud? Or, and then they meet you and there's no filter and no fake t- transparency of, of of agendas or anything else. The real truth is, some are going to like us, Matthew, some are not. The harder you work for them to like you, the same people still like you, the same people don't. For the energy, the honest truth is, I like to get a good night's sleep and I have a cup of coffee in the morning. The rest just comes naturally, whether it's working out, staying on top. You know, we got to be professional. Friday nights, we can unwind because we're not back at work until Monday. If it's a work night, we have to pace ourselves. Do we go a little too hard because the boys come over to the hockey basement? Yeah, but at the end of the day, Kevin Lowe taught me a long time ago, if you want to soar with the Eagles, you better learn how to run with the squirrels. And for me, at the end of the day, is if I get some sleep, I have my Tim Cortons coffee, I can do anything uh, after that that I want to, but none of it's manufactured. It's not like I'm eating, you know, I'm a vegetarian or I'm eating very, very, I'm not. And the thing about us that I tell people, I we just do what we do, and I think people want to say, 
I, I'd like to be like those guys or hang out with those guys or see when they're flirting with the, the chicky poos with those guys or having a drink with those guys. That's to me that I think they've made it. Not that, wow, Cooley can remember this and Matthew on the ice was a great trash talker. No, at the end of the day, we could name a whole bunch of guys, love them or not in our business. And I think we're at the list of, I'd like to go to the cottage with them, hang out with them, have a drink with them. That's to me means more than saying, wow, that guy looks good in a suit or, you know, that guy's got three awards or whatever. Who cares about that? You want to have, I judge a person by who their friends are. And I think in our listening business, these people want to be around and we don't try to fake it with them. We just, if I have an argument with you or you have one with me, it's organic. People say, you know, about the plan. I said the plan, the plan is, I talked to Matthew for the first time at 4.03. What do you mean a plan? There is, there is no plan. We're like Jackie Gleason in the, in the Honeymooners. There's no rehearsal, folks. No rehearsal. No, there isn't. There isn't. That's what, that's why I love it. And I don't even want to know because... I, you want the element of surprise so you can give your anything that's planned. It's funny when I got into TV and I was working w- with you and then I went to ESPN. It's funny. I, I tried to memorize everything like almost word verbatim. So I'd be so prepared. I've always been prepared in anything, whether it's playing hockey. I, I worked out at a certain time and I did this and I ate this and I, you know, I, it was such so regimented. I thought it had to be the same way. And then I realized with working with you early on, I, I, just watch the games. I, I know the game. You know you know the game. You know how to set it up to ask the questions. So I don't need to know the questions before I go on to the air. All the more organic it is, or the more element of surprise, the more I can be honest. So uh, for for those that think that there is a, a plan, there's there's structure to a show. You have to be structured in a three hour show. Uh, but to say that we know what's coming on is 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 obviously uh, not true. I, I want to get to restricted free agents because it's it's probably the biggest thing that teams are waiting for out there right now and fan bases. Uh, Mitch Marner, how long do you think before we see him ink his contract? Well, and it's interesting because Matthew, you and I, and uh, you know, we're also pretty good sometimes at patting ourselves on the back. But as we walked the listeners through RFA, we walked through out loud. It's almost like a conversation that I have to change. There's a clog in the sink, so I have to talk myself, and I don't want to pay for a plumber, so i got to do it myself. So we walked you, ourselves. You are, you, you are the guy that parks illegally outside of Sirius XM every single day. And looks out the window so he doesn't have to spend his $3, by the way. That's right. So I'd rather invest that money and uh, compound interest and everything. And there's my retirement Say in case I say booger on the air, Matthew. So uh, you're right. So as we walked ourselves through it, we said, okay, what's going on? And we discussed uh, we're in June, then into early July. And because there was no chance of anything happening at all quickly, we said, you know what, this is going into September, and whoever the RFA group and the agents and the PA deem to be the most valuable or the one that can fight the fight the furthest will probably sign first. And here we are in the dog days of August, and we're at a point right now of saying to ourselves, Mitch Marner is the Pied Piper, and he's got three offers reportedly on the table. And I do believe, 
He will be at training camp, which means he will late, could be September the 10th, sign one of the three offers that are presented to him, or he will sit. And I think fake sitting has always been the fake bluff from his camp, but I do believe that when you're wanting to be in the 11 million range and one of the three offers is 11 million, then, hey, the Leafs have done their part. And in a negotiation, he wants to be Matthews. Leafs say not quite as good, but almost as good. Are you not going to sit for .634? No, I think when you really know you're not signing an offer sheet and you really know you're not leaving, that means you you pay a bit of a discounted price because you're fake bluffing. So I believe Marner goes first, and that will begin a rash of other signings in the group unless other players, i.e. Kachuk or Rantanen, feel more pressure and they jump off the diving board first. And then by the midpoint of September, some of the big five, Rantanen, Marner, Kachuk, Point, bang, 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 will be gone. And, and from McDavid on down, Matthew, that will have set the market. What would somebody else like Brock Bester be waiting for? Because the Canucks aren't close to winning. So, Brock, if you're fighting for eight and they're giving you two years at seven and change, guess what? There's a point, Matthew, of what are you fighting for to lose money moving forward? Miss training camp, hurt your numbers, that hurts your next contract. It's a yin and a yang. So Mitch Marner's the Pied Piper, and I believe he will go first. And then the rest will follow. What, what are you hearing in terms of numbers and terms on the contracts that you talked about? Uh, the three that have been tabled to him. What are you hearing as for term and numbers? And I heard that he's already been offered two offer sheets and did not sign them. Well, uh, that's interesting. I heard the rumblings on the offer sheet, but great information by you. Um, when we were back in the middle of the show, there were strong um, rumblings that teams had presented him sheets. And I told you and asked you, and we said, we'll find out when someone signs an offer sheet. But wouldn't we be intrigued, like in this case, that two teams offered him a sheet? I find that almost as intriguing that there might have been nine offer sheets offered and only Sebastian Ajo signed one. So the other eight still are intriguing to me, and two of them, as you alluded to, would be Mitch Marner, which also shows me the Leafs know that he doesn't want to go. He wants to be a lifer here because that probably costs Marner at least $0.634 million on one of the contracts because if the Leafs were that scared, they would have said five times 11.634, exactly the same as Matthews, and this would have been done on April the 1st. So the numbers are, for Marner, the $11 million deal is on seven, I've heard. So 11 at seven. He doesn't want to do an eight-year deal. Then there's so a same, five. Same as Tavares, yep. then. Same exact as Tavares. Yes. So so that's another issue for the Leafs. they got three players making $11, $11 million going forward, but that's another issue they got to worry about. So same as Tavares, 11 times seven, that's one. Then there's a five-year deal that we can just <sighs> subtract 0.5. It's going to be five, so he's going to be a million less. Maybe that deal's 10.634, so they've said it's a million less than Matthews. And I'm hearing on the three-year deal, it's basically 10, 
10 and maybe 11 is more than on the third. There is a number that goes up. That way when you qualify him, right, Matthew, you have to qualify him at a higher number. And if that number is 10 and a half, he's going to get at least 10 and a half. If it's 11, if it's 11. The the big thing on the three-year deal, you're right, but the escalation of a couple, three years down the road, he's going to be signing for probably 13, 13 and a half million. If the cap keeps rising and there is a fear around the NHL, even with Seattle right there, that some of the teams at the bottom, we called them, I don't want to say the week eight, but the eight that caused the lockout that cost you a couple million bucks. Sorry about that. Thanks for bringing that up on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) I bring on my buddy and he fucking pisses me off right away. I thought I was fucking around to swear. This is great. I love that. I would have dropped it. I would have dropped the F bomb right off the top. But um, so those teams, uh, some of them are at a point where the cap's at eighty-one, and they're basically at sixty. Matthew, how high could they honestly go? And the the gap widens. The revenues are at a peak. Seattle will push it a little bit. For those guys to get that type of cap number or that type of uh, salary number, the cap cannot stay stagnant at 81.5 or the contracts. In, right, Matthew, in theory, the contracts have to stay stagnant because we got no inflation. The only way you'd leave is if you'd leave to go to a team that is not winning, that doesn't have anybody in the 10, 11, 12 million dollar range. So the Leafs' best interest and for the Rangers and the Flyers and the Capitals is for teams in the big markets to do well, to push revenues, ratings, especially in the playoffs, to get the cap to jump. I believe these teams are praying to be $5 million higher next year, which is 86.5. The Seattle effect takes them. They want to be at $90 million. The fear, as you know, when we had Gary on, was we might not be jumping as high as we want. That would be bad news and, and scary for the NHL. But you're right. If Marner then jumps three years from now at 13.5, you know who is salivating like Pavlov's dog? 97. Because what's Connor McDavid going to sign for when all those other guys come in before him? And then he goes over the top. What, 18 million, Matthew? It's an intriguing, intriguing situation. Yeah, it's all dictated by the salary cap. We know that. Uh, if there was no cap, I can't imagine what some of these guys would be making. But I want you to rank these guys and what you think numbers they will get. Not what numbers they will get, but in what order they will fall uh, in salaries. If we start with Marner, Point, Ranton, and Kachuk, one through four, who makes the most, who makes the least out of the four? Well, I would say Marner does win, and I'm going to say, for sake of argument of the A, B, and C, that he takes the 10.5, so he is at 10.5. I believe I'd slide slide Brayden Point, actually, in at number two, Uh, Miko Ranton in at three. I believe that Brady Kachuk, the Flames, are going to fight him more, and he is going to be just under nine which might not sit well for a while, which means his deal might end up being shorter. Ajo's contract and Carlson's contract and all the RFAs and all the group twos have done nothing. Uh, Maybe Jacob Truba a little bit. 
because uh, he did get to eight. We could argue he's probably worth a, a one-year 7.2, but they got him for, a, you know, in years four, five, six, seven of the deal. I think the Rangers would be very happy. Um, but those are the numbers I'm looking at for all these players. Only Marner's in the 10 million range. Point takes the Tampa discount. Yeah. Uh, Rantanen's lower, maybe around his number if it gets to that uh, number. Uh, Kachuk will push it, but it's harder to value him in the sandpaper. He might have to do a shorter bridge deal. Uh, I think many of these guys are not going to do what Nylander did. They're talking that way now, but I don't believe they're going to do it because the year after, without the cap going up higher, there's too much at play, and some of these teams are too good that these guys want to be a part of winning. And putting up great numbers to eventually get paid. We're in the range, Matthew. We're not. Nobody wants to asking twelve, and the team is way at eight. We are in the ranges. And at some point, when you're in that range, as you taught me, one in the hand is worth two in the bush. If I'm these guys, I fight it, but I do sign. And if I'm not thrilled. I sign a bridge deal. I agree with you. We'll, we'll follow this as we go through, and I'm going to have you on again as we get closer. If someone does sign, uh, we will react to it. But I, I agree with you. I think all these guys do get done, and negotiations for the most part, until the 11th hour, it's really hard to to get that number you want. They're both fighting, but at, at the end of the day, they both want to sign. The team wants these guys. They're integral parts of their team. They want to get them into the lineup as soon as possible because every game we know that you lose in October could affect you in April. These guys need to be in the lineup. And we saw, I think they saw, the team saw what happened to Nylander when he started to miss the season and the lack of production thereafter that followed. So we'll follow the RFAs, but I do agree with you. Uh, Marner will sign, not the long-term deal, take a little less on a shorter-term deal, re-hit the market in, in a few years. We're going to play yay or nay. Uh, I had John Campbell, a, a good buddy of mine from, from Odd Shark, a, a betting site, um, a, a betting analyst uh, of mine and a co-host of, of Guys and Bets uh, podcast. And he was analyzing all the numbers out there, looking at future bets and, and where they sit, teams where they are after they sign guys and how their odds ha had, had moved. Uh, but I want to play yay or nay with you for playoffs because some of these teams uh, made significant moves. Some teams are really good. Uh, some teams are uh, maybe had great seasons last year, might not take that next step this year. So I'm going to play yay or nay. I'm going to name a team. I want you to say whether they make it and if it is yes or no, why. Gotcha. All right. Florida Panthers. Yay. Goaltending. Coaching, new atmosphere. They're like a team on the one-year proverbial steroid bump with all the excitement. They'll fill the net. They'll finally get some defense. They're kind of due for a bit of a break. Let's be honest. The goaltending last year was terrible. They'll be scared of Quenville. I think they're going to be dangerous in fucking practice this year. <laughs> Yay, Florida is in. Love it. Carolina. I want to say yay, but I'm going to say nay. I think there's going to be a little bit of back to reality. I think there was some overachievingness, especially in the crease last year. I think they dropped down a little bit. I think there are certain things there that all went right. Some things this year will just go wrong. They will be in the mix, so it's not as if it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be the way 
Tampa when they missed with injuries or Florida when they missed because of the depthness, depthness of the East two years ago. I think they'll be right there at the end. But when only eight make it now and the division and the conference in the league so tight, Carolina just misses by the hair of the Brindamore's chinny chin chin. I, I have to Google overachievingness to see if it's a word, but uh, we'll get back <laughs> on, the, on the next podcast. Uh, Columbus. <laughs> Out by a country mile. Enjoy the ride. Uh, last year, the rebuild is on. It's funny. I said I I would never have made those deals that they made. I respect them, and them knocking off Tampa Bay was unbelievable. But this was my fear. This is what I thought would happen, and I wasn't really willing to risk my future for short-term gain. I agree with you. Out by a country mile. Arizona Coyotes. I want to believe, I want to say yay. We all know that the most coveted spot in hockey is third in the Pacific Division. I'll believe it when I see it. I think there'll be a Carolina-ish of last year, but not the pizzazz. They'll be better, it'll be more fun, but there are certain phrases in sports, like God wants blank to win, and it's usually like the Yankees or the Habs. I um, I believe Arizona will be better, but God doesn't want Arizona to win. <laughs> is God Gary Bettman? <laughs> Gary is higher than God. So if God has a boss, it would be Gary, just so everyone knows. Because Gary controls the universe. Um, but at the end of the day, Gary would want Arizona to do well. Don't get me wrong. Gary would love if they did. I just, I want to believe but I do not. I have to see the burning bush in Arizona uh, on fire before I believe that they'll get in. But I will say this much. This will be as exciting and a buzz that they've had since the Mike Smith, what, 2011, 2012 playoff run. So the good news is the worst is over in Arizona. But I don't believe getting in right now is in the cards. Edmonton Oilers, our favorite, Connor McDavid. James Neal goes there for Milan Lucic. I think this is going to revive his career. He will be a top six in Edmonton. He will play power play. I, I think he responds with a big, big year. Uh, what do you think of James Neal going to Edmonton? I know he is a buddy of yours, a neighbor. Uh, and do Edmonton make the playoffs? Well, and we both play poker and play cards. And for the fans out there listening, I'm sure you've gone to a poker room or the casino or Vegas and you've put down a number. Let's just say it's 500 bucks. Um, and you're down to 36 bucks because you've kept betting on the same horse or the same number on the roulette wheel. Well, that's me with the Oilers. And I have not learned my proverbial flipping lesson. So I'm still flogging this horse to continue to improve and to get in. I am still taking the Edmonton Oilers in the weakest spot that needs to be picked in hockey, and that is third in the division that they will get in. Dreisaitl, McDavid, Ken Hall, and your buddy Dave Tippett, everything works. If it worked for Carolina last year, McDavid's over 120 points this year. I believe in the Oilers, and if I have to borrow more from the TATM, Matthew, to keep betting, I'll do it. 
Don't go to the ATM. I'm going to be your personal loan shark uh, because I don't see them getting in. They aren't better than Colorado. They aren't better than Dallas. They aren't better than Calgary, San Jose, Vegas, St. Louis, Winnipeg. Who are they going to knock out? Well, I'd like to believe that they're going to finish third. I have to say at the end of the day, last year we were taught to expect the unexpected. Logic on all the teams doesn't always make sense. At the end of the day, when you play, you don't realize, oh, this guy had a bad year, or oh, we put too much pressure on, say, Colorado, or God forbid that there is an injury. Sometimes at the end of the day, when you're putting everything together, you slot in, expect the unexpected. Almost like I said, when we talked about investing, it makes sense that this stock continues to rise and buy gold, but sometimes you hedge your bets and buy some of the other merchandise. I'm hedging a bet and saying, logic here are your eight teams, and I see it, and Edmonton maybe being ninth. So I'm going to say, logically, we are wrong on one team. That means we're only wrong 11%. Getting one team wrong is we're wrong 11%. So we're wrong on one that puts Edmonton in. That's my circle to get to the Oilers in the playoffs. Have you seen the movie Vegas Vacation? With Chevy Chase? Yes. You remember, remember, remember the scene where he's at the table and he loses at every game possible, and 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 the dealer looks right at Chevy Chase, and he goes, "Why don't I take you outside? I'll kick you in the balls and give me half the money that you were going to spend here." Idea. Why don't you give me half the money you were going to bet, and we'll go out back. I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day. That's your Edmonton bet right there. But I agree. Expect the unexpected. I'm under. Prove me. Prove it to me. And then I will believe. So we'll have to wait on the Edmonton Oilers, see where they go. Last but not least, the New York Islanders. Well, let's look at this. Let's look at this. Tampa, Boston, Toronto, Florida is four. Pittsburgh, not as good, but still playoffs, five. Washington, six. When we start looking at teams, where is Philadelphia? Seven. Where is the Rangers? Probably not yet. When we look at Washington and Pittsburgh, aren't the Islanders at least in that group of three? And the other four, which puts Montreal in there, I got to believe at the end of the day, the Islanders are at least, at least a wild card two since I've dropped Carolina since we wonder what's happening that Florida is in now. I have to think the Islanders won't have as good a magical season as last year, but are still better than New Jersey, better than the Islanders, or better than the uh, uh, Devils, better than the Rangers, probably still better than Montreal. I have to believe in a division that's not as wow, even with Philadelphia improving. The Islanders shouldn't be anywhere from third, one of the wild cards. So I have to say my buddy Barry Trotz, with the best defense in the league last year. That might not still be number one, Matthew, but I have to believe realistically from what we've seen that they should be at least a wildcard team in. We, we, Yay. We, we, we are pretty close because I have Florida and Philadelphia going in over Carolina and Columbus for sure. That's for my, my for sures. New Jersey, yep. I'm curious about. With the additions that they made, with Gusev going in, with the addition of Wayne Simmons, with Taylor Hall being healthy, P. 
P.K. Subban. Hughes is going to be an outlier. We have to wait and see how he responds to playing in the NHL, but obviously a very talented uh, a kid. So do they get the goaltending? It's going to be a battle to me between the Islanders and New Jersey for that 8-8 spot. What, what, what team has done the best in the offseason in not only going for it, NHL Stanley Cup, making the playoffs, but changing the culture of their team? Well, I mean, obviously we've talked about the Rangers and how everything's changed so quickly, and I guess they've um, proven that there are ways to expedite a retool or rebuild. Part of it is you need to have some luck. Part of it is you need to decide you're trading for high-end picks, and they did that in the draft before, continued it this year. Part of it is you use what you've got. If you're a Southern team and people like warmth, that's to your factor. If you've got a tax advantage, that's to your factor. If you've got the big city panage, like the Rangers do, that's to your factor. So I really like the Rangers in that regard, but that's so, so obvious because they've gone from zero to what? Not 60, perhaps, but in the wild card conversation. But to me, and I might take some flack for this, I really like the way the Preds are staying on course. I don't think it was working out behind the scenes with PK in Nashville the way others thought. And I think leaving PK behind, saving the money for Yossi when he gets his contract, bringing in Duchesne, who's basically a Halliburton, Ontario country boy anyway, and how the Jets got worse and where they are in their division. I like Nashville to be in a situation to kind of circle back. It's like in race cars and in racing. They kind of got bumped off the track. They got a nice pit stop. They got rid of one set of tires they didn't like. They retooled, and I think they were already good. But you want to still keep your window of opportunity open. So I like what the Rangers did in the East and what Nashville did. They had to be subtle in Nashville. PK leaving, Duchesne coming in. You called Duchesne, Matthew. I'll give you credit from day one. He's a country boy. He nailed it. And I think that retooling with their club has done wonders and will in Tennessee. You, you talk about subtle there. No one's talking about Nashville at all. I don't care if it's the betters. I don't care if it's the fans. Essentially, they traded P.K. Subban, which already had a strong defense, for Matt Duchesne, who did unbelievable. He played unbelievable in Columbus, was great in Ottawa. He's a point-per-game guy. And where did they suck last year? Not only in the playoffs. They were 0% in the playoffs on the power play. 12% during the regular season. Now they get Matt Duchesne to drive the speed of that team. Ryan Johansson, I love him as a player, but you said it many a times. He doesn't score enough. He doesn't score enough goals to be a number one center. Now he's a number two center, not a number one. I agree with you with Nashville. I think this could put them over the top in a very tough Western Conference, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Again, uh, everything on paper, P.K. Subban, I love him as a player. I love him as a person. Great personality. Maybe sometimes a little over the top, and it's a little bit too much. P.K., look at me. Going to do wonders in New Jersey in reviving that team, but uh, I think they're much better off. I do agree with you. Moving on, I wanted to ask you, there was a thing on Twitter the other day top 20 centermen, and people are all over the map on where they thought they were. I want to get not your top 20, but your top five. Give me your top five centermen in the game right now, starting with number one. No question, David is number one in my mind, and he, he's so good. 
I don't think he actually needs an explanation. Some guys need bylines, like in a scouting report. You need a scouting report, good skater, good on edges, blah, 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 has trout. No, no. For McDavid is simply number one. Number two right now is Nate McKinnon. Nate is the second most dangerous player with the puck. How he changed his career around the year after the World Cup is beyond me. Because at the World Cup, I thought, finally, here we go. And that season was still underwhelming. Some say, and we can argue this, Matthew, some say what really ended up happening was he wasn't working off ice the way the others in the game were. And when he got that, because he started the NHL, his birthday September 1st. He was 18 on September the 1st, which means he fell into getting drafted because he made the cutoff by 20 days. So he started so young, he played so many games. You know what? Sometimes the light bulb doesn't shine as bright, and it's not because he's not bright or he didn't care, but he did what, it's like a student. He took himself from a B-plus player. Nothing wrong with that, B-plus. But for first overall, you got to be better than that. He took himself from B-plus to basically almost A-plus. That's how good he's been. So in my mind right now, he is number two. At number three... We've got a controversy in which player is better all round in Toronto. Some like Tavares better than Matthews. Others say Matthews better than Tavares. At the end of the day, we're at a point where in this season, with these players in the NHL, Austin Matthews better be a 40-goal, 100-point player, or he is letting himself and his organization down. They've had two chats about ice time. At the end of the day, Austin Matthews at, what, 22? M Matthew, he's got to be better than Sidney Crosby going into next year. He's got to be. Sidney's 32. Matthews is 22. The excuses are over. Austin better be a 75 to 82. Well, he'll never play 82. 75 games. He better get 40 goals, 60 assists. He better learn to distribute the puck better. He better be number three when the... Rankings always come out. They talk about where a player is. No, we're going to be talking about where we rank them on this date as it relates to the season they're going to have. So it better be Matthews at number three in my mind. Wow. At well, wait one second. I need a little rebuttal here because I have McDavid at one. I have McKinnon at two. You said he better be. He better yes. be. But is he? I have Crosby at number three, and I have Matthews at four. Because I'm with you. He better be better than Crosby. But right now, right now, Sidney Crosby is better than Austin Matthews. As we sit this very second, I say yes, but that better be different by July 2020. Concur. I concur. You're number four. I'll put Sydney in that category because I I believe as good as these younger players in the league are, Sydney will always be amongst them. How's that for my word of the day? Amongst them, Matthew. Well, that's a big that's a that's a that's a big Ryerson word. <laughs> amongst use the biggest sentence, kid. So right now, as good as these other players are who are in the twenty year old category, Sydney will still almost match them shift for shift, point for point, win for win, compete versus compete where we sit right now. So I believe even 
even with the 10-year age difference, that Sydney at four is a huge compliment to Sydney in an age that's got Matthews, McDavid at ni- as 97s, only a few years older than that, at a very improving uh, Nate McKinnon. So really, our top four are the same in terms of personnel. Yeah. There's nothing drastically different, one, two, three, four. But you do acknowledge you could see Matthews passing Sydney this season. Absolutely, absolutely. Father Time will catch up to him at some point. And I, I did see a great video on Twitter the other day of McKinnon and Crosby. And if you want to be good kids, it, it, it's all in your off ice. It's, it's all on your work ethic. It's all on the time that you're going to put into it. And Crosby just keeps on proving us wrong when we think he might fade a little bit. But I agree with you. Matthew's time is now. He has to take over that number three spot if they are going to contend for a Stanley Cup. Number five. Mark Shifley. Wow, I can't believe we are the same. Mark Shifley. Unbelievable. I thought you were going to say, wow, that I put him higher than a Tavares or a Backstrom. And when we look at all the things a player can do, I believe this will be Shifley's best year as well. And we all know, with all due respect to McKinnon, McDavid, Crosby, and Matthews, there's something that Shifley can do in that spot that those other guys can't. No offense, right? But Shifley's got... He's got strength. He's got elite hockey sense. He knows his surroundings as good as anybody in the league. Will he get as many points as some of those other guys? Probably not. But he does other things as well. He's okay in the bumper spot on the power play. And when we look at those players, four of these centers are Canadian. You could argue that if you rank these centers, that would mean that Shifley would be, what, the fourth-line center, right? On Team Canada? Yeah. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? And sorry, Jonathan Taves, as good as you are. Sorry, Ryan Getzlaff, as good as you are. Those days are gone, and there's no shame in these guys still being very good in their 30s, but having the other players come up. I think at the end of the day, it's great Canadian depth at center. It's great center depth for the National Hockey League. And it's a great compliment for Shifley because I like Backstrom and I like Tavares and we like Duchesne and we like Jack Eichel. I know people in Buffalo are saying right now, you guys don't even have Eichel's better than Shifley. You know what, Jack? Prove it, right? Go out and prove it and not just by getting one more point than than Mark Shifley. So I think Eichel would love to be in that group. I think if we go deeper down, Eichel probably is in most top tens. There's something that people, for whatever reason, Matthew, don't like about Jack, and I don't know what that is. If it's attitude, personnel, I, I, I don't know. But right now for me and for you, unrehearsed again, we have the same yep. players almost in the exact same order, and I put Matthews on better be as opposed to is at this particular moment. That is amazing. That, that really is amazing, and it's funny because my son's a – a 21-year-old center that's that's turning pro this year. He's a six-foot-three kid. I don't show him clips of McDavid. I don't show him clips of McKinnon because he can't play that game. He doesn't have that elite speed that it doesn't translate to his game. The one guy that I always show clips to my son if he wants to be a pro and be an NHL player in the future is Mark Shifley because in every aspect of the game, he does it the right way. He's good down low. He's good at rotating pucks. He's good at protecting pucks. He's good at making players around him better. And he can do absolutely everything in the game that you need 
from a number one center. And yes, if he is your number four center at the next Olympics, uh, Canada is going to be really tough to beat. Couple uh, Kako or Jack Hughes, who gets more points this year? Kako Kako gets more points. I think I've got him for easily 2020 is 40. Uh, I think he's going to be electric. I think he's more NHL ready. I am in the belief, even though I haven't seen them like the scouts have, that say long term, both will be great, but Hughes will be more Kane like um, than um, and a better projected long term player. But it's going to be closer in my mind, then, you know, Matthew's Liney. Liney right now scares me. Look, we just had an RFA conversation. We didn't even talk about uh, Patrick Liney and Kyle yeah. Connor. But I, I think at the end of the day, that those two will be closer than the two I just mentioned. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way it's going to be. But in the short term, it might take two or three years. It might take out of entry level for Hughes to be in that category. And I think the Rangers just are in a better spot surrounding Kako and where they are right now and I think that wow factor that we're going to see uh, from this amazing Finn will be right there I think he is more not just as a man and as a body type Matthew but I think mentally right now he has less concerns than a younger Jack Hughes that's just my opinion uh, we'll see how it plays out when the season starts I, I was looking at a projected I, I'm not a fantasy hockey guy I don't do it but they have them, like you said, really close. I think they're like two spots up. I think they have Kako a couple spots higher than Hughes, but very, very close. They're two completely different players. I, I think these kids are going to be hard to compare to each other because they play totally different games. It's almost comparing like Gaudreau to Kachuk. They're, they're two different players and equally as important to your team, but you have Kako that's a power forward Big body. You have Jack Hughes that played in the USHL this year that absolutely dominated kids that were older than him. My son actually said the one time they, they beat the U.S. development team. I think it was 6-5. Hughes had no points. And he got that. I, I sat on the bench watching this fucking kid. And it looked like he had a string attached to the puck the whole game. Uh, the only player he had ever sat and watched in, in amazement. Uh, uh, from the back, so it's going to be fun to watch these guys. I'm going to leave on, on one thing because you are a fucking savant. It's one thing that you are, that your memory is, I don't know how you do it, uh, but your knowledge for memorizing, and I don't say memorizing, remembering uh, everything uh, statistical about the game is uncanny, so I'm going to leave you with this, and I know you have a big day ahead. The, the wife the, is at work, the, the kids are at work, so uh, it's going to be a full day of drinking beer, I'm sure, for Steve in a little bit. We, we're, do, you, do you think you can do this Con Smythe trophy game with me? I think I can. I might be a little bit rusty, and um, you never know. If I give it, a, I'll give it my best shot. All right, I'll start. I'll start with an easy one. I'm going to give you a layup. I'm going to give you a LeBron James layup, 2018-19. 2018-19, that's the year we just had. The St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup. Ryan O'Reilly won the St won the Smythe Trophy. Correct. 2015-2016. That was the Pittsburgh Penguins winning the Stanley Cup. And that is Sidney Crosby. 2009-10. Jonathan Taves. Unbelievable. 2006-7. John Sebastian Jaguar. 6-7. Nope, that was 0203. 
Oh, sorry, Scott Niedermeyer. Scott Niedermeyer. My, my bad. Dex one, Scott Niedermeyer. Correct, correct, correct. 99-2000. 99-2000, Scott Stevens, New Jersey Devils. <laughs> How the fuck do you do this? 92-93, my first year in the NHL. Patrick Wall wasn't even close. He also had an assist that year in the playoffs. Not bad. More points than I had in the playoffs. 91-92. Mario Lemieux won back-to-back Smythe trophies and the Penguins back-to-back wins. 91 and 92. We're going to get a little harder now. All right. 84-85. 84-85. Oilers win the Stanley Cup in their second year. Messier won the first Smythe. Gretzky won the second. Yep, you're right. 83-84 was Mess. 84-85 was Gretzky. If you get if you get this one, I'm going to shit my pants, which I do on a regular basis. But uh, yep. 78-79. Montreal won four cups in a row. Reggie Leach won in 76, even though the Flyers lost. 77, Lafleur. 78, Robinson. 79, Bob Gainey. Oh, fuck me. This is just stupid. 1967-68. Well, those are my hardest ones. Uh, Jean Beliveau won the first Smythe in 65. Then we had two goalies that split. Keon won 67. And I always get them confused, but I believe it goes Roger Crozier, Keon, then Glenn Hall. So Beliveau, Crozier, Keon, Glenn Hall, 68. That is the hardest one for me. 68 Glenn Hall. Like, that's the one you got to really think so much. As a beautiful woman in a Mercedes, a blonde, drives by me here, even distracted. And another one for shits and giggles. Serge Savard won in 69, by the way, 50 years ago. I fucking hate you. I hope I, I hope some bad things for you today. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I thought I could stump you on a few of those. And even the one you, you just messed up on, but you actually knew who won it, when he won it, and... Uh, just mixed up the year, but unbelievable job. You're my boy at Steve Coolius on Twitter. Please follow him. Co-host of NHL Sirius XM. Listen to him from three to six p.m. I'll be on for the four to six all year long, uh, buddy. I can't wait to get back in studio. Have a great day. Get those abs going. That smile going. Uh, you're just an unbelievable guy. And thanks for coming on Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby today. Anytime. I love you like a brother. Enjoy the rest of your summer, and I can't wait to start season 103. Thank you, my friend. Love you. All right, buddy. Have a great day. Cheers. Oh, Steve Coolius. I, I told you, he's fucking unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. He's a savant on the air. He will say something about 1963, or do you remember this? And I'll just look at him and go, no, I don't. I don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. I don't memorize it. He doesn't memorize he just remembers, and it's this goal in 1977 or this shot off the post in 83. Who won the Con Smythe? Who won the Art Ross? Whatever it may be, he knows it all. It's, it's really, he, he is the guy that knows the most about hockey that never played in the National Hockey League. And I don't ever defer like some guys do. Like, you never played the game, so you don't know. He knows the game. He watches every single game in his man cave. The night before we go on our show, there's not a game that he doesn't see or watch or know about and the intricacies of the National Hockey League game and how to make it better 
every single day. But I told you, he's a fucking savant. Great, great guy. Uh, it, 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 it really, it really is crazy. I want to thank John Campbell uh, at Odd Shark, Johnny Odd Shark, who's going to be in Vegas, uh, just having a great time. I will not be there with them this year. Sad, very sad. Uh, but he's a sports betting analyst. Anyone that wants to know more about betting, go to oddshark.com. It's where I get all my information for any bets that uh, I want to make. I'm a big football better, hockey better, basketball better, golf better. Um, I, I love it. So I thank Johnny for coming on. I thank Cooley for, for coming on. I'll definitely have him on lots this year because he is infectious uh, just with his smile and his energy. I think you guys could all hear that. I, I'm going to leave, but I... Uh, I want to talk about Antonio Brown for a second. And I know this is a hockey podcast for the most part, but I, I like talking all sports and I always, always will. Antonio Brown, for those who don't, don't know, uh, did not take the field or will not take the field right now because in threatening to leave the NFL. I'm a New York Jets fan, so I really don't give a fuck what he does. Because they won't let him use an unsanctioned helmet that is 10 years old. Now, this is a guy that makes millions and millions of dollars. You're going to walk away from the game because they won't let you fucking wear your helmet and wear a new one that's going to protect your head from CTE and concussions and all of the above. They are looking out for you, you fucking moron. Why don't you listen? Why don't you listen? Do you understand they are trying to help you and protect you? And what do you do? You take your fucking ball and go home? Don't be an idiot. Don't be a loser. Don't be bigger than the team or the game. You're making a fucking mockery of yourself and your team. It's a bad look. And this is why some people get such bad reputation. Because I've said it before. If it looks like a duck, talks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's probably a fucking duck. And you know what, Antonio Brown? I'm glad the New York Jets didn't get you because you're a fucking duck. Hope everyone had a great week. Hope you enjoyed the show. My next guest is going to be awesome. This week, I will be interviewing one of my favorite players. Never played with him, played against him, fought him, and he's one of the funniest guys that, that I've ever met. Have a great week. At Matthew Barnaby, 3636 is my Twitter. This is Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. See.